0: Well, this morning I am just thrilled to be able to have Pastor Justin to come this morning and speak. I'm going to go ahead and invite him to come up and join me on stage. This last week we were at our Foursquare Connection in Nashville, joined about 4,000 other Foursquare pastors and ministers from around uh, the, the nation and some even internationally that were there joining us. Had a tremendous time uh, just refreshing and spiritual input to us personally as pastors and other pastors, of course, around around the U.S., and I'd ask Pastor Justin to come and speak and to cover for me today. But uh, today will be their last official day at Destiny as far as uh, in a pastoral role. Now yeah, They'll still be in and out a few times, coming and going, out of town and in town. He's going to be going to Colorado to work with CIY for a few weeks down there in the month of June, uh, working with the CIY camps and helping out down there and coming back to PAC. We'll be doing a... To go going away reception for them, uh, July the seventh, the first Sunday of July. That in that afternoon, we'll do a nice reception, that's cake, and let you guys come and bring them cards and love on them and, and hug on them. And uh, as many of you already know, we, we talked about this uh, several weeks ago when we let the church know that Pastor Justin, Latricia, we moved moving mm-hmm. to Dallas. Uh, she's going, Latricia's going back to college for chiropractic college there. We're receiving her degree, which requires them to move to do that. And so this has been a process for the last year we've been on. And so uh, I told him earlier, and I wasn't going to make him cry before we preach, and then I, I lied because we, we both teared up as I was talking about him before the first sermon. But, you know, I, I was, more importantly, they've been faithful staff members. They've served from volunteer roles to staff positions, and they've changed hats a few times on our staff and have done so many different things here in the church in leadership. And has been an anointed worship leader and, and has filled in for me many, many times here at Destiny. And uh, all those things are great, and I appreciate your faithfulness to the ministry. I appreciate your faithfulness to Destiny Church. But I told him the most important thing to me was his faithfulness as a friend. And it, it's, it's hard to find. You know, you, you find a lot of great people, but it's hard to find faithful friends. And I can truly say that Justin and Tricia have been faithful friends over the years and encouragers and that's going to be the hardest part for me. Is that I'm, I'm letting, letting them go down there. So they're not too far away. They'll be close enough. They can come back and still minister once in a while here at Destiny. And and who knows what the future will hold as far as maybe even returning back here. Everything's up in the air. And we welcome them back with welcome arms if God ever opens the door for them to come back. But either way, I told him no matter what, you'll always be a spiritual son of the house, uh, like a spiritual brother and a spiritual son. I don't. He's not really old enough to be my spiritual son, but. That's my wishful thank not his. But uh, I, I am very proud of him and Latricia, and we love him very much. Can, can you guys honor him today as he comes to share from his heart what God has laid upon his heart? Pastor Justin, we love you.
1: Good morning, Destiny Church. Oh, come on, folks. Y'all already know better. Good morning, Destiny Church. Anybody glad to be here this morning? Anybody glad that God is here this morning? Amen. It is, uh, it's always an honor. I I derive so much pleasure just from being able to share what God has placed on my heart. And, um. Yeah. Thirteen years ago, I tell the story a lot, but it always has it always has merit. We were in a U-Haul, a janky U-Haul. If you know what the word janky means, you know that we made it up here by the grace of God. Uh, it had uh, we pulled a car up, and uh, <laughs> the the wheels the wheel straps kept coming off, so we had to keep pulling over to straighten them. At like. 11, 12 o'clock at night, driving on an interstate where uh, our U-Haul wouldn't go above 50 miles per hour, but every semi, semi-truck semi seemed to be going about 100 miles per hour past us. Uh, we stopped at a really, really shady uh, gas station where we saw a pregnant woman in her nightgown go in and pick up a pack of cigarettes. Um, it, was, it was so, so, so weird. It was so weird. And uh, we got here, we lived in Orinoco. And um, we got here and we were going to our house on Sandy Lane, 1999, Sandy Lane in Orinoco. And Trish just looked around and said, babe, where are you? Where are you bringing us? Like, what what is this place? I'm like, babe, I don't even know. Uh, But she said, I'll give you a year. And if uh, I don't like it in a year, then we got to find someplace else. Because right now, I just don't know. I don't know. But one year turned into two years, turned into three years, turned into four kids later and 13 years here uh, in a place that we didn't even know existed. And I, I mention that because this church is really what kept us here. 13 years, that, is, that, that blows my mind. The way that this church has always supported us and loved us and uh, helped us grow from 27 28 year old kids into the people that we are right now the people that we are becoming so from the bottom of our hearts we thank you we honor you uh and we just we thank you for the role that you've played in our lives to this point uh and even though we're moving 500 miles away for me to go you know be Dak Prescott's personal assistant go Cowboys needed some Jesus. So he said, come on, Justin. I said, all right. Um, even though we're moving 500 miles away, uh, we just need you to know that we are never too far away and we will always, always, always pray for you because you are our home. You're our family. So we love you guys. Uh, this morning we're doing something a little bit different. And it's probably going to come out differently than it did in the first service because I don't have uh, any notes. I've tried to have notes and God has kind of impressed upon me. Listen, man, just if you're going to trust me to move to Dallas, Texas, can you trust me to speak without notes in front of your family? And so I said, "Okay, God, we're going to do this. We're going to do it. We're going to do it because we're in a season of testing. We're in a season of, of faith. Uh, we're in a season where the question is, do you trust me or do you not trust me? And as I was just sitting there, just kind of watching, soaking in the worship this morning, um, a question came to me. So I'm going to ask you all this question that I believe God has asked uh, Tricia and I many, many times over this past year. And the question is this. What if I called you into a blessing that felt like suffering, would you still say yes? What if I called you into a blessing that felt like suffering? Would you still say yes? And you know, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, some of you would raise your hand immediately and say yes, 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 yes. Some of you would be like, ah, God, I'm not here for that. Some of you would raise your hands, but you you really didn't know what God was asking, Um, but we've kind of been living that, and if you were here for the first Wednesday in May, you heard my wife share a message about telling God yes, and kind of some, uh, a broad overview of kind of what we are walking through right now, Uh, but I want to go a little bit more in depth, and I'm, I'm telling you now that I'm going to be very transparent with you. Uh, you're probably going to find out more about us in our lives than you've ever wanted to know uh, because i know that sometimes when we someone's coming to give us a message we only want the message we don't want to know about their lives that are going on behind the message but i know that sometimes i give you messages based on what i've been through a season that i've been through but right now i want to talk to you because i'm walking through a season And I know that some of you are going to be able to relate to the season that we're walking through, so it's going to help you. But some of you are not walking through that season, but I promise you, you're about to. Because those are the only two phases of life. You're either in it or you're about to be in it. And I think that right now, God wants us to gird up ourselves. If you're in it, he wants to encourage you. If you're about to go in it, he wants to prepare you. So I need y'all to come along with me. Are you coming with me, Destiny? Amen. Amen. So let's have a word of prayer, then we're going to jump right in. God, your presence here, oh, so amazing. God, just the the outpouring of your love, the outpouring of your power, the outpouring of your spirit, God, today is, God, my heart is full. And so, God, I pray this morning that you would speak your heart through me, that I not say anything more than what you want me to say, that I not say anything less than what you want me to say. But God, I pray that you would pierce all of our hearts. Make us more sensitive to you. Make us more sensitive to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So when we moved here, we knew that we were coming here as a training ground. We knew that Joplin, Missouri, Orinogo, Web City, all that, would never be our final place. But toward the beginning of last year, we really began to question that. Because we've been here, you know, at that point going on 12 years. And we're like, surely, surely God wouldn't leave us here for 12 years and let us grow our roots so deep and then tell us that it was time to move on to something else. Surely God wouldn't do that. And so it was a great surprise when God laid this moved to Dallas out in front of us because we weren't, we weren't expecting it. We were more than happy to live out our days here in this area uh, with people that we know, people that we love, and a church that we loved, and just watch God do amazing things and take a part, be a part of what God was doing. We were excited about that. We had Emery, and uh, Trisha wanted to stay home with her. And she was really, really conflicted because while she enjoyed teaching, she didn't quite have the, the passion for it that she once had. She'd begun to wonder, uh, what, what's God, what's next? There has to be something next. And I've always told my wife, I've always told her, I said, babe, you may think that I get all of the attention, but you are the apple of God's eye. Matter of fact, I got her a journal. And in that journal, the first message I wrote in it uh, was that uh, basically God's about to show you just how much he thinks of you. He's about to open your eyes and show you just how much God loves you. And so as she was getting ready to go back to work, she didn't want to go back. uh, And she said, hey, babe, I, I really think that if I could just take a year off. I could go back to teaching and I could be, be good-witted or at the very least I'll just kind of know God will speak to me about what's next. And I said, babe, no, that's not of God uh, because we are a family of seven now and we won't make it on just my income. Now, here's the transparent part. For most of our years here in Southwest Missouri, finances have been the thorn in our side. And when I tell you guys that we've struggled, we have struggled. There have been times where I've stood here and I've preached on a Sunday morning. Or I've led worship on a Sunday morning and gone uh, back home to a house that didn't have electricity because we didn't have the money to pay it. Or we've had a vehicle repossessed because we couldn't make the notes. Or we haven't been able to pay rent for, uh, for our place. And I'm telling you all this not for sympathy. I don't want your sympathy, but I need you to understand And see, there have been times where, you know, we, we, we pray the prayers and we confess the promises and we say, God, uh, you will supply all of our needs according to your riches. And I'm sitting there and I'm praying like, God, please just send the money, send the money so that we can get the lights turned back on. God, send the money, send the blessing. And the money never comes. we have to learn how to, uh, how to decipher between what a blessing is and what a blessing is. Because the blessing didn't come in the form of the money. The blessing came in that in that darkness. By candlelight, we were able to spend time as a family and laugh and love on our kids and hug on them in ways that when the lights are on, life is moving 100 miles per hour. That was a blessing. See, so many times we, we, we tithe. We say, God, I'm going to give you this $10 and because you said the blessing is going to be a hundredfold blessing, I'm expecting $100 or $1,000. But what if the blessing is not what you think it is? What if the victory is not what you think it is? Maybe the victory is not that you overcome this situation or God pulls you out of that storm. What if the blessing is that God gives you another breath in your life that shouldn't have been there any other way? What if God wakes you up in the morning and enables you to say, God, I will bless you even in the midst of this storm. See, we're so quick to say, God, remove this storm from my life, God. Take me out of this storm. But when we do that, we're asking God to move something that he's put in place for a specific reason. So we have to stay there. We filed for bankruptcy while we've we've moved here. And some of you may listen to all of this and say, man, y'all just, y'all really suck at managing your money. And I would say, maybe you're free to think that. But I also know that all of us have something that's a thorn in our flesh. Paul had one. All of us has that one thing that we feel like is just always against us trying to overcome. And so, you know, when God is like, let her stay home, I'm like, nope. Nope. God, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Nope, my answer is nope, I'm not moving on this. I'm standing right here because we cannot make it, God. You don't know what you're talking about. And at that time, I was journaling really, really heavy because I wanted to be open to what my wife was saying because I know my wife, she hears from God in different ways than I do and she has so much wisdom with the things of God. So I'm journaling about this and I'll never forget that the day that I was journaling in the last couple of lines I wrote my journal, was simply, God, if this is what you want, we'll do it. She can stay home. I did the exclamation point of the period, closed the book, put my pen away, looked up at my computer, and she sent me an email. Hey, babe, I think God is really stirring my heart to go to chiropractic school. Now, if you were my students in that block of classes, you would have seen me almost flip out of my chair. How do we go from you staying home for a year to figure out what's next to going to chiropractic school? Where does that even come from? (laughs) But, y'all, life is a series of answers. We We either tell God yes or we tell God no. And so, this morning, the topic that I want to come to you from is chased by dreams. Because something that I am actively learning right now is, is is that we don't spend our lives chasing after God's dreams. God's dreams spend our lives chasing after us. See, I believe that God's dreams for us are the best possible life that we can live in His will. It's His goodness. That means living in His goodness. So, when Psalms 23 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, that means that there's nowhere that I can go, nowhere that I can escape, where God's goodness is not coming after me. And if God's goodness are His dreams for us, if there's nowhere for me to go where God's dreams aren't chasing me down, trying to manifest in our lives to give us purpose, to give us a passion, to give us a pursuit after God's own heart. And so I said, God, this is this your dream? Is this what you really want from my wife? Because you know I will do anything for my wife. And God said, yes. And he reminded me that I told her that 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 year, 2018, was going to be the year that he showed her just how much she meant to him. So I said, okay, God. You know, it's easy to say yes to God when everything's all rosy and bubbly and the Disney animals are singing and the birds are chirping. But see, that's only the beginning. Because see, our lives are a series of yeses. We always have a decision to make, and the next yes is always the hardest yes to make. Like, Trisha said yes to marrying me. Praise the Lord. We said yes to moving uh, from Jackson, Mississippi to southwest Missouri. I eventually said yes after years of prodding from God to become a teacher. We said yes to planting our roots in Destiny Church. We said yes when Pastor Gene and Mel asked us after only four months of being here to lead a life group. We said yes when they asked us to be outreach leaders. We said yes when they asked us to be children's uh, children's pastors. And while I'm on that subject, Pastor Melissa, we love you. We believe in you, girl. You're going to do great things. But life is a series of yeses, and this yes that we've said yes to right now, it started when we said, yes, we'll move to southwest Missouri. But it started even before that, before we even got together, God has placed us in positions where we've always had to say either no or yes. What are you saying to God this morning? What are you saying? Are you saying yes? Or are you saying no? Or are you ignoring the voice of God and hoping that he forgets that he's even asked you or challenged you to do something? So we said yes, and we talked to Pastors Jean and Mel because they're our pastors. who wanted to honor them and keep them in the loop, and we asked them to pray for us. And we started looking at schools, and Trisha applied, and when she got accepted, that's when it got real because we knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt, we weren't going to be here anymore. We were having to leave. Uh, I was leaving a school that I absolutely loved, kids that I loved, hanging with every day, even though they got on my nerves sometimes. I loved being around those kids. I loved Web City Junior High. I loved the Web City uh, School District. Trisha loved her kids in, in, in Carthage. But God has clearly told us that we've done everything with the kids that we need to do. We've served every way that he wants us to serve right now in Destiny Church. So yes, will you trust me even if the blessing feels like suffering. Y'all, our hearts have broken so many times because we don't want to leave this. We don't want to leave the comfort. And as much as we've struggled, y'all, we know how to struggle here. We know how to struggle here. We're good with struggling here. But God, what happens when we struggle somewhere that we don't know anybody? We don't know how the systems work. We, we don't know. God, uh, yes, Texas teachers get paid a little bit more, God, but that's still only one income. And we are a family of seven people, and we've got to find a place to live in a place where the houses are huge, but so are the price tags, God. So, like, how, what's going to happen when my check has insurance, a house payment, and then other bills coming out? How, how are we going to eat? When the blessing feels like a struggle so we've been walking this pathway together. We have been crying together. We have been questioning God openly together. Y'all, I have shook my fist and I've said, God, you don't know what you're doing. Just let us live our life here because we're happy here. And God always comes back and says, "Is your happiness, is your happiness worth your disobedience to what I'm asking you to do? It's a hard question. I remember about four or five years ago, Matt and Crystal Engle, they were about to leave and go establish a legacy church in northwest Arkansas, and they told, they told the story about how they were driving around, and they'd get to an intersection or a stoplight, and they'd say, God, left, right, or straight. And we tried that, and we almost got lost. So evidently, you know, not... Not every word God gives us is for us to apply in the same way, but the context of it is simply, and we, sing, we used to sing this song called I Surrender, but when we surrender to God's will, to God's dream, we're not just surrendering apart. See, a part of that song says like a rushing wind, Jesus, enter in. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way in me. When a rushing wind comes through, it leaves chaos in its wake. So I can't just say, God, I'm going to say yes to moving to Dallas, Texas. If you let me choose where we live, if you let me choose the school that I work at, if you let me uh, choose how much, uh, how, how, how long our commute's going to be, I'll only go if you allow me to choose. God says, Nope. if you want me to be a rushing wind in your life, I'm going to turn everything in your life upside down. Are you good with that? And see, that's what I'm asking you this morning. Are you good with your life being turned upside down? Because if you're not good with it, then you're not ready to say yes to the dreams that God has for your life. You have to be able to understand that the feeling of hopelessness and helplessness and sleepless nights that's all God preparing you for what is to come. Y'all, I had my first ever panic attack last Wednesday. We went down to Dallas, Texas. We didn't have any money in our account. We spent our last bit of money on the hotel to stay there while we were there. We had a little bit of money for gas, and we got there and everything. And um, We were in our car about to look at our first house for the day. And all of a sudden, I felt this pressure on my chest. It hit me so hard, my hands started shaking. I wanted to cry, but the tears wouldn't come out. And in my brain, I'm like, God, what is happening? My wife was sitting right there, but I couldn't even reach over and touch her and say, babe, I need your help. So I just cut on some worship music. And that feeling never truly went away until we were done looking at houses for that day. And I could finally explain to my wife, babe, I think I had a panic attack. Because we've been so, so afraid of what this move entails. We've been so, so filled with this anxiety and this, this, this inner turmoil. Because again, we don't want to leave. But we know that God has so many adventures for us. God has so many adventures for you in so many different ways. But sometimes it's hard to tell God yes, because we think we know what's best. We think that we can be God. And we want to tell God, God, you go sit on the sidelines. I'll call you in when I need the big guns, but right now I've got this. But no, if you're going to surrender to God, if you're going to properly surrender, if we're going to be a people that makes uh, a surrendered lifestyle a way of life for this area, for our families, we have to be willing to say, God, it doesn't matter what it is. Have your way. You know, dreams will take you farther than you've ever wanted to go. Dreams will push you harder than you've ever wanted to be pushed. Dreams will, well, dreams will cause you to suffer more than you've ever wanted to suffer. Dreams will cause you pain more than you've ever been willing to endure pain. Dreams will make you feel weak when God looks at you and sees how strong you are. Dreams will make you question whether God really loves you when he's showing you how much he loves you and trusts you by putting you in that position in the first place. That's why we cannot trust our emotions. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful. And if you're in the middle of a storm, if you're in the middle of a dream, and you're only going on what you feel, you will miss God every time. You will look at a victory and think that it's not a victory because it doesn't look like the way that you think it should look. We need discernment, people. We need discernment to know that not everything that we think is a blessing is a blessing. Not everything that we think is a victory is an actual victory. Not everything that we think is a win is a win. We've got to be so in tune with God. And that's what we're learning. That's what we're learning. Even though we cry almost every other day. <laughs> Even though we talk about different ways that we could stay here every other day. What we know, what we know is that this process is has brought us so much closer to God. Because that's what a godly dream does. It places you so close to him that even if you don't hear his voice, you still know that his presence is right there beside you. You still have access to that peace. You still have access to that joy. You still have access to everything that you need to get through, even though you may not think that you do. So when I think about dreams, I think about a couple of things. Number one, a dream has to be protected. I want you to think for a minute about your child, if you have one, or something that you treasure, maybe your puppy, your cat, your turtle, hamster, I don't know. Would you trust just anyone with the thing that you value the most? Would you drop your kid off at the, with the valet at the casino to go in and play? Would you trust your kid, with your, your child with someone uh, who has not lived maybe an upright life, and you say, "Hey, just hold my kid for a little bit." No, you wouldn't." And it's the same thing with dreams. It's the same thing with dreams, because in the beginning stages, they are fragile. Just because you said yes to it up front doesn't mean that you won't change your mind and say no to it later on down the line. Because when you tell too many people, everybody can't see your dream like you see your dream. Everybody won't understand what God is calling you to do like you understand what God is calling you to do. Everybody can't understand the weight and the gravity of what God is calling you to do. For example, my biological dad, I love him to death. When we first told him about this movie, he said, oh, that's great. But then he sent me a text the next day and said, y'all are making the biggest mistakes of your life. Y'all are fools. That wounded me so deeply. Matter of fact, it is an obstacle between us to this day because he believes we're making a mistake but Tricia and I know that this is what God's will looks like for us. And while I understand that his heart's in the right place because he's had to help us numerous times with different things, he's afraid to see us struggle. He's afraid to see us fall on our faces. I understand that. We're afraid of that too. But above all the things that we're afraid of regarding this, we trust God. And if you allow people to speak into your dream. You begin to absorb the negative energy from people not understanding the power in the words that they're speaking into what God wants to do in your life. And then you wonder why the dream that was once so clear and you knew exactly where God wanted you to do and where he wanted you to go, why it's all fuzzy, why you're not excited about it anymore. It's because you've entrusted the wrong people with the powerful thing that God wants to bring to pass in your life. So we have to protect our dream. That might mean that you can't tell your mama. You can't tell your dad. You may not be able to tell your best friend in the whole wide world until that dream has taken root just a little bit more in your heart. And you know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is calling me to it. So regardless of hell or high water, I'm going to get there. But also, aside from protecting your dream, you also have to be willing to fight for your dream. There is a story in the Bible in the book of Joshua. I love this story. And I want to give you some context. The actual part that I'm talking about is found in chapter 8, but it goes as far back as chapter 6. So I'm going to give you the Notes version. So the Israelites had just finished shouting down the walls of Jericho. God had told them, destroy the city, burn the whole thing to the ground. This city is a blight on this land. I want you to get rid of it altogether. The Israelites do what they're supposed to do. Or do they? In chapter 7, the Israelites go to fight uh, to destroy the the town of Ai. It's spelled Ai. I I look up the pronunciation. It's Ae. That's a weird name for a town. But that's neither here nor there. They send 3,000 men, which should have been enough to destroy the city. But the king of Ai and their uh, warriors run those 3,000 warriors off their land all the way back to the Israelite camp, and they kill 36 of the men. So in chapter 7, later on, uh, Joshua has his face in the ground because he's like, how did we lose? God, you said you were with us. What have we done? And God says, Joshua, just pick your head up, dude. I told you to make sure your people knew that they were not to grab anything. Everything was supposed to be destroyed. That wasn't the case. So now we're going we're gonna to suss out who did it. God knew, but there was a process that he wanted to work Joshua through. So eventually, Joshua works his way through the entire tribe down to a family. And the guy who stole the item's name was Achan. And he admitted to it. Achan's disobedience cost 36 men their lives. Kids went without a father or a brother or an uncle or a cousin. All because he disobeyed. All because Achan disobeyed. His entire family lost their lives. What is the cost of disobedience? Are you willing to tell God no if you knew the results that your disobedience might have because whether we obey God or whether we disobey God it leaves ripples in the spirit and I'm going to tell you now that there are things that God wants to accomplish on the earth that he's decreed in heaven that will not happen unless we say yes There are things that God has encoded in your DNA. There's a mission that only suits you and nobody else. And if you never say yes to God, if you never allow yourself to be overtaken by the dreams of God, then ministries will never start. People will never get loved on. Are you willing, Destiny Church, to sit idly by and tell God no and be in a comfortable place when God has called you to so much more are you willing to say God nah -uh, not me I'm going to be disobedient I know best for my life are you willing to sit here and do that knowing that your disobedience has a negative effect not just on your life but on everybody around you so Aiken's family dies Because of his one act of disobedience. So in chapter 8, we pick up where God has told uh, Joshua, Okay, now I want you to go back and I want you to attack this town. I'm going to tell you exactly how I want you to do it. And the plan was for Joshua to send men up front. And when the king saw them coming, he would chase after them. And while he was chasing them, he would send some men from the back in an ambush to take over the town. And so this takes us into uh, verses 18 through 26. Then the Lord said to Joshua, point the spear in your hand toward Ai, for I will hand the town over to you. Joshua did as he was commanded. As soon as Joshua gave this signal, all the men in ambush jumped up from their position and poured into the town. They quickly captured it and set it on fire. When the men of Ai looked behind them, smoke from the town was filling the sky, and they had nowhere to go. For the Israelites who had fled in the direction of the wilderness now turned on their pursuers. When Joshua and all the other Israelites saw that the ambush had succeeded and that smoke was rising from the town, they turned and attacked the men of Ai. Meanwhile, the Israelites who were inside the town came out and attacked the enemy from the rear. So the men of Ai were caught in the middle. With Israelite fighters on both sides, Israel attacked them and not a single person survived or escaped. Only the king of Ai was taken alive and brought to Joshua. When the Israelite army finished chasing and killing all the men of Ai in the open fields, they went back and finished off everyone inside. So the entire population of Ai, including men and women, was wiped out that day, 12,000 in all. For Joshua kept holding out his spear, until everyone who had lived in Ai was completely destroyed, Pastor Mike, will you help me out, please? For Joshua kept holding out his spear until everyone who had lived in Ai was completely destroyed. Now, in Exodus chapter ten, the Israelites were embroiled in a battle, and God told Moses, "As long as you keep your hands upraised and lifted." the Israelites will win. But we know our body, sometimes muscle fatigue sets in and our arms start going down because that pain gets real. And when his arms started going down, Israel started to lose. So to help him, his brother Aaron and her came and they held his arms up to ensure that the victory would be over. And I know that Joshua remembers this. Joshua remembers this. So he picked up his spear. God said, "Pick up your spear and point it at the city, point it at the obstacle, point it at the enemy." And if you keep your if you keep your spear pointed toward that enemy, you will see my victory on this day. Here's our problem. We give in to the pain. We give in to the hurt. We give in to the tears. We give in to the fear. We give in to the anxiety. And so instead of holding our arms up and pointing at the enemy, we drop our spear. And we say, God, it hurts too bad. God, it hurts too bad that you're moving us away from our friends and family, God. It hurts too bad to only be one income in a big city, God. It hurts too bad. I'm too afraid, God. I can't do it. Surely, call somebody else because my arms aren't strong enough. My shoulders aren't strong enough. I can't hold this spear at this enemy, but God is looking at us saying, you are a warrior. I created you for more than this, but you've got to learn to fight through the pain. You've got to learn to fight through the struggle. You've got to learn to fight through the fear. You've got to learn to fight through the tears and pick your spear up and point it. See, I'm sick of seeing Christians on Facebook holding our spear at each other. Putting our faith in Republicans and Democrats instead of the name of God. Trusting more in the name of President Trump or President Obama and killing off everybody in the middle who, who, y'all, If we are going to be called under the banner of Jesus Christ, that has to be the only thing that matters. Because there are people around you right now who are so caught in spiritual battles that they can't even lift up their hands and sing on a Sunday morning. Because we are surrounded by all sorts of cities and towns. Cities of anxiety, cities of fear, cities of of panic, cities of I can't do this, cities of I'm nothing and I'm nobody. But God has called us to pick up our spear and point it at those cities because God has said, if you will keep your spear pointed, you will see the victory of the Lord today. I don't know how many of you all have dropped your spear. Thank you, man. I don't know how many of you have let the point on your spear get dull. I don't know how many of you have forgotten that you even have a weapon. But I'm here to tell you this morning that if you will pick your weapon up again, if you will pick your faith up again, If you will tell God yes again, if you will believe again, if you will hoist your spear up and if you will point it at that enemy and you will say, Satan, you are defeated. Take your hands off of me. Take your hands off of my family. Take your hands off of my community. Take your hands off of God's dreams fear. I have no room for you in my life. I'm going to jab you with my spear until you run away from whence you came because I stand here in the power and in the might and in the spirit of Jesus Christ. You've got to pick up your spear. In education there is this thing called growth mindset and the idea behind growth mindset is that simply we think that our, 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 the way that we think, we think that that's a fixed thing. But research has actually shown uh, that in the right circumstances, we can change the way that we think, we can change the way that our brains function to allow them to grow so that we can accomplish more and have access to greater parts of our brain and so in our classes what they tell us to do is when a kid says i can't do something we add a yet on the end the power of yet because when you say yet that means i might not have done it yet oh but it's coming you may not have been victorious yet but it's coming you may have been beat down. You may be in misery. But yet, just hold on for yet. Because when yet happens, you're going to rise up with wings as an eagle. You're going to run and not grow weary. You're going to fight and not be tired. Your arm's not going to be tired. Your spirit is not going to be tired. You're going to be able to stand from sun up to sundown and fight. if that's what God wants you to do because you haven't seen the power of yet. y'all I tell you (laughs) that we are going through this right now we'll be moving soon and we still have way more questions than we have answers we still don't know how God's going to meet every need that we have and our list of needs is long We still don't know how God's even going to help us to move. Deposits and first month's rent and all that stuff. If you were to ask me, how are you going to, how this happened? I'd say, don't look at me. You look at him. Our job is not to figure out how God's going to be God. Our God is to fight Because if you believe that God has ever called you to something, if you believe that God has plans for your life, if you believe that God has purpose for you, then you will pick up your spear every day of your life and you will jab and you will throw it and you will cut down any enemy that stands in your way. There is nothing that can defeat you because of the power of God in your life. And as the musicians come, you know, it is the understanding that God is always with you and will never leave you or forsake you. It's in those times where I feel like I'm almost hopeless and I don't know which way to go and nobody knows how this feels. And, you know, sometimes I just just get so into my feelings. But the power, the power of the Spirit, the power of praise, it's when you are down. It's when you are feeling destitute and hopeless that you need to be able to dig down deep in your heart and just say, I raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me. Because I look inside of myself and sometimes all I see is the, 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 the remnants of the struggle and the suffering. But see, what, what, what sometimes what I forget and what Satan forgets is that God has put something else inside of me. God has put resilience inside of me. God has put strength inside of me. This supernatural ability to keep fighting even when I'm tired and I don't feel like I can go on. God has put something else inside of me so I can raise a hallelujah with everything inside of me because i know that as i raise a hallelujah the darkness in my life the dark things that try to surround me they have to flee but then you can also say i raise a hallelujah in the middle of the mystery because see we don't know what we we don't know what awaits us when we get there we don't know how things are going to work out when we get there, but I know that God is with me. So even in the midst mystery, God is still God. Even in the mystery, my faith is still the type of faith that can overcome the world so I can lift up my voice and I can see that I'm going to sing in the middle of my storm, louder and louder. Destiny Church, you don't get quieter when you're going through the storm. You lift your voice. You stand up. You lift your hands and you shout it out if you have to you don't let the storm steal your praise you don't let the wind take your fear you stand up with your spear and you sing loud enough to drown out the storm (laughs) holy spirit you are calling us to greater you are calling us to be brave You're calling us beyond the shore where we're comfortable. And you're calling us out into the waves where life begins to hit us. But even when the waves hit us, we know that you're there. Some of you are where we are right now. Some of you are about to go into where we are right now. Because, like I said at the beginning, when you are chased by the dreams of God, they never stop coming never. So yes or no. Will you be obedient or will you be disobedient? I've made up in my mind, and listen, one of our biggest fears is, God, I'm afraid that we'll get down there and we'll we'll struggle and we'll fail and we'll have to come back and to here or to Missouri or Mississippi with our heads hung down. But this is what I've purposed. This is what Trisha and I have said in our hearts. If we struggle, we would rather struggle doing the will of God than struggle having told God no. We would rather go down there and 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 and, and wring our hands together and just ask God, please help, help, help. Because listen, I got to a point where I said, God, I'm tired of being dependent. You've got to be tired of me asking you for everything and continually asking you all these different things over and over again. But God says, I don't, I, I don't care how many times you ask me, but is there any other way to live life than fully dependent? If you're fully dependent, that means you are right where I want you to be. And I want to encourage somebody who feels like God is tired of them asking for the same thing over and over again. God delights when his children need him enough to spend time with him, to learn more about him. So this morning, not to impress me, because I'm not going to hold you accountable. But God is watching. So my question to you is, what's God calling you to? What does God want to do to shake up your comfort? What dreams of God have been chasing you all your life that you've been too afraid to acknowledge? If you are willing right now to tell God yes, whatever you want, I surrender everything. I want you to stand up. It doesn't matter what it is, God, we're saying yes. It doesn't matter how awkward it is, God. It doesn't matter how awkward I feel. God, I'm saying yes to the struggle. I'm saying yes to the turmoil. I'm saying yes to the sleepless nights. I'm saying yes to the joy. I'm saying yes to the love. I'm saying yes to the peace. If that's you right now, I want you to lift up your hands. Oh, we raise a hallelujah. We raise a hallelujah. on the count of three I want you to make a covenant with, between yourself and God that no matter where he leads you no matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter how ready you feel for it, no matter how ready you don't feel for it, on the count of three, I want you to say yes to God. If you have a yes in your heart, I don't want you to say it if you're only halfway in. This isn't a thinking to you're making kind of thing. We're making a covenant with God right now. To God, take my life, use my life. I'm going to point my spear. I'm going to walk according to Your will. No matter what comes my way, God, I'm ready to say yes. If that's You, on the count to three i want you to make noise and hear like you are the storm one two three come on come on don't just clap your hands i want you to lift up your voices i want you to raise your battle cry come on oh. now i want you to sing this song with every ounce of strength You. Come on! Come on! Lift your voices! Come on! Sing I it
0: out! Come on! Raise your hallelujah this morning!
1: Last verse from Joshua 21 on the screens, please. And Trish, you mind coming up here to join me? So the Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give to their ancestors. And they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them. For the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. I'm here to speak over you this afternoon. That not a single one of the good promises the Lord has given to you will be left unfulfilled. Everything he has spoken will come true. Everything he's spoken will come true. Every promise that he's spoken, every blessing he's laid out, every good thing God has put in place for you will come true. It's going to happen. You're going to reap the reward of being obedient. You're going to change this city. You're going to change this town. You're going to change your family. You're going to change your workplace. You're going to change your school. You're going to be an agent of change wherever you go. Because the God that we serve places no expiration date on any of his promises. So you can leave here resting assured that the same God who's called you is the same God who, has, who will equip you and will see this work through to perfection. So you don't have to be afraid, you don't have to give in to your fear, you don't have to give in to your anxiety. All you have to do is keep your spear pointed and keep your eyes lifted high to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So we want to bless you. And from the bottom From the bottom of our hearts, we praise God for you. And we thank you. So, Heavenly Father, we come just thankful for the the miracle that you've done in this place. Not because of me, God, but in spite of me, God, you have accomplished something monumental God, you have placed a... a... A marker in the ground that this will be a watershed moment, a moment of remembrance, God, an altar, Lord God, where we can come back to this moment and remember that today was the day that we went all in. Today was the day that we surrendered. The day was the day that we believe with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, that your promises will come to pass, that your faithfulness is great, and that every word you've spoken over our lives will come true. And so, God, we pray, God, that this would not just be A stowaway word, a stash away word but God I pray that you would make this word alive and make it vibrant God and make it a fire God in our bones God that when we even think to forget God that you would bring it back to our remembrance that we are being chased on all sides by your goodness, we are being chased on all sides by your dreams and when they overtake us and when we say yes we will see life in an extraordinary way Because you've created us to do extraordinary things and to be extraordinary creations because you are an extraordinary God who does not deal in ordinary. So God, every promise you've spoken, every word you've spoken will come true and we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, make some noise and give God a praise if you believe that in the place this morning. You all be blessed. Have a wonderful Sunday and an amazing week.